0: Hey, welcome to our class called Hearing God's Voice Through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session nine called Pursuing God's Voice. And you'll remember we've gone over many things up until this point. And we're following along in the book that I wrote called Hearing God. And each session corresponds with each chapter. There are nine chapters in the book. That's why we're doing nine sessions in this class. So chapter nine, session nine in this book. If you don't have a copy, you can go to Amazon and pick up a copy. Or you can go to my website at bendixon.org. There's a store there and you can purchase it there. If you want to free ebook you can email our office and we'd be glad to get that out to you as soon as we receive the email to bless you with that it's our it's our honor it's our privilege to be able to do that for you but we've talked about many different things from having a relationship with God what kind of a relationship a relationship where hearing him is normal and we've talked about how it is that God speaks how the bible and the voice of the holy spirit work together not against each other they don't contradict why God communicates the hindrances that that we have in trying to hear God's voice, how to discern God's voice amidst of all the noise, and of course, we talked about responding to God's voice, trying to broaden the conversation that hearing from God is not just about obeying Him, although we do obey Him, but there are other things that we want to discuss in responding to the voice of God. So I believe that that strengthened you, and as we step into this conversation called Pursuing God's Voice, I just believe that it's vital because we want to be a people that are marked by the pursuit of God's voice, that we're not just going with the flow, we're not just going with the crowd, but we are going with what we believe God is saying, first in His Word, and then secondly by the voice of His Holy Spirit. That's what this conversation has been all about, but how is it that we pursue His voice? What does a life look like in pursuing His voice? What are principles that we need as we move along in life? And I was thinking about just some of the things in my journey of walking with Jesus and hearing his voice. And something of a story that would even make sense is that when I was about 18, 19 years old, right before I met Jesus, I can remember that I just graduated high school and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And it's so funny because when you just graduate high school or you're right around that age, everybody in the world seems to come out of the woodwork and ask you the question like, hey, what are you gonna do with your life? Or where are you gonna go to college? Or what career path are you gonna choose? It just seems very normal for people uh, to just Just kind of pressure you with that the the big question about the trajectory of your life and i i remember having that conversation multiple times and like most i had no idea what i was going to do with my life i wasn't sure what i wanted to do where i wanted to go i didn't know jesus yet so certainly i wasn't thinking about the kingdom i wasn't thinking about my purpose in life i was just thinking about what could i do in terms of a job where I could work the, the littlest amount of time and make the most amount of money. That typically is the trajectory for most people. How can I work less and make more? And so I was kind of thinking about that. I remember having a conversation with a friend who was a web developer. He was a successful web developer. And I'd never thought about graphics or videos or web design or anything like that. But I found myself at that season of life on a couch sitting there talking to this man who'd been very successful, and he's, tell, he's telling me all this stuff that you want to hear at that age, like, hey, I, I work from home, I basically wear my pajamas and come out drinking a cup of coffee and work on my computer, and I only have to work a certain amount of hours a day and I make a ton of money and I love it and it's amazing and I can do what I want to do and go where I want to go, and I thought to myself, that sounds awesome. And so he said to me, hey, I think you would be good at this, I think you should do this, and I thought, I think you're right, I, th- I think you're right. And so within like two months, I'm signed up at a local college for classes in web design and web development because I had heard what he said. And based on what someone told me and how it seemed to me, how it felt to me, I pursued, I began a new pursuit of life uh, down that road to do what, what we were talking about. And it wasn't maybe like three, four months into the classes, I realized that this was not for me. All these students that were there were excelling, going far past where I was. And I just knew this is just not uh, where I'm supposed to be. And at the same time, it's when I actually met Jesus and my whole life got turned upside down. I got changed, transformed, saved, delivered, and God set me on a new path. But I bring that story up to say this, that often in life, we find ourselves pursuing something in life based on what somebody tells us. You know, a person could encourage us to, be, to go into the military. A, per- a person could encourage us, you know, to be a part of this or to be a part of that. And based on whatever motivations that are in our heart or however that counsel sounds at that time, a lot, of, a lot of what happens is we end up pursuing things in life because of what somebody says. And I think that we've got to use that very truth, that reality, and say that we will be people that will be marked by the pursuit of what god tells us where that we're pursuing his voice and then based on what he says we're going to be pursuing life that he that he teaches us and tells us that is for us that our purpose that our destiny the things that he wants us to be about that we will pursue those things as he speaks to us We we want to be people that are marked by that and i was thinking about you know in the old testament how there were many kings you know you have israel and then you have judah you have the two kingdoms And there were many, many kings, and as you read sort of the the transcript of their life, the summation of their life as a king says that this king did right in the eyes of the Lord, or it would say this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you find very quickly that there were really no kings in Israel that did right in the eyes of the Lord, and there were a handful in Judah that did do right in the eyes of the Lord. It was in in the eyes of the Lord, regardless of how people felt about the king, it was really about how their life was summarized in God's view and i think it's a pretty interesting thing when you look at those kings and them doing right or them doing wrong it's really all about did they pursue god's will god's ways god's voice did they pursue his voice or did they just pursue their own desires did they do what they wanted to do or did they pursue what god wanted to do and follow him no matter what he said and i think when you look at david and god speaks of david as a man after god's own heart And I believe it's nine times. It might be eight times. It says that David inquired of the Lord. Now, I find that fascinating. Here you are out of all the kings of Israel and Judah. You have a handful that were right in the eyes of the Lord in the summary of their life. David's one of those kings. We have most, you know, scripture gives us most insight into his life as it pertains to a king. And one of the things that you can see multiple times is David inquired of the Lord. In other words, he pursued what God would say to him in the midst of a situation as he was a king. Now, David was a ruthless individual in my mind. He did not always follow the ways of the Lord. He did not always do what he should have done. He did some terrible things, some sinful things. We obviously have some of that recorded in scripture. But above it all, God God says about David that he is a man that is after my own heart and he inquired of the Lord and I don't think that that means that he was a man that was like me I think it means that he was a man that was chasing after that was pursuing after the very thing that my heart is after he's pursuing my heart and I believe that that is the thing that set him apart And I think it's an encouragement to us to be the same kind of people that we see or read about in the life of David that God said, even above all of his sins, he said all of his other things, this was the thing that marked his life. He was a man that pursued the heart of God. He was a man that inquired of the Lord because God will not find a perfect person this side of heaven. He will not. He cannot. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us still, even though we know the Lord, commit sins. We still do things that we wish we didn't. We still have need of God's ongoing relational forgiveness, even though we have salvational forgiveness. But are we people? that are pursuing the voice of God. Lord, what do you say in the midst of what everybody else says? Lord, what do you want in the midst of what I want? Lord, what is your will in the midst of the things that I want to do? See, that sets us apart. And in this session, that's really what we want to focus on. Are we people that pursue the voice of God? And what does that look like for us? And there's some things that I want to share with you. And the first point that I want to make and we'll look at this scripture in Matthew chapter 4 in just a moment, is this, our dependence fuels our pursuit. Our dependence fuels our pursuit. To pursue the voice of God in our life, we must be convinced that we need His voice. Are you convinced that you actually need God's voice in your life? Am I convinced of that? Because until I'm convinced I need His voice, I won't pursue His voice. We pursue based on need. If I can get by, if I can do just fine on my own. If I know what I'm doing and I know where I'm going and, and I don't stop and look up and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? Unless I have that need in my heart, I need you to tell me. I need to know what you want. I don't believe that, that we will be a people that are marked with the pursuit because dependence fuels our pursuit. We only care about what God has to say if we know that we need to hear what He has to say jesus modeled a life of dependence upon the father it was a pattern for his life Uh, often we see even 13 times i believe in the gospels or over 13 times jesus would go up to the mountains and he would pray he would seek the father here's jesus christ the son the anointed one from the father sent from the father carrying god the father's will and and knowing what it is that he's called to do and yet here he goes in the busiest time of his life, into the mountains to pray and to be with the Father, the Bible says all night. I mean, talk about, talk about pursuit, talk about relationship. Here the son goes to be with the Father in an all-night prayer meeting frequently, the Bible says, often he would go off by himself to pray. And he modeled the kind of life that pursued the Father. He even said toward the moment when he was about to go to the cross, he said, if this, if this cup could pass from me, you know, take it. But he said, not my will, your will be done. It's these moments where his humanity and, and, his, and who he is and what he's called to, his purpose, they kind of converge. And we kind of peer into the heart of Christ and realizing the burden that he carried, but also the pursuit that he had, the the life that he modeled before us. But before Jesus stepped into his ministry, we see something very interesting that I think is a pattern for our life. And I want to mention this and bring this up. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 1 through 4, Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And the Bible says that he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he encounters the devil. And I want to read that passage to you right now. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds or comes forth out of the mouth of God. See, Jesus couldn't be clearer than what we see in this passage. We see him say basically that man doesn't live by what is true in the physical. Like, yes, we need food. Yes, we need water for our physical bodies to survive and to thrive. But what Jesus is actually saying in in the enemy trying to tempt him, while he's fasting, while he's hungry, hey, if you really are who you say you are, turn these stones into bread because I know you're hungry and I know you wanna eat. And Jesus looks at him and says, listen, man doesn't live by bread alone. But life, my sustenance, comes from whatever God says. If God tells me to fast, then I can fast. If God tells me He's going to provide, then He's going to provide. If God tells me that my next meal is coming, even if I don't have the money for it, then He is going to make it happen. Jesus gives us a profound truth that comes right out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. It comes right out of a context that makes a whole lot of sense when, when you look at it, and we will in just a moment. He's saying there is something that is more real than whatever we seem to need in the natural, than what your eyes see and what you can touch. That we believe that the Father, we believe that God speaks and whatever He says is absolutely true. No matter what we see, it's true. And so Jesus releases this reality and He causes it to be a rebuke to the enemy All men before Jesus bowed to the voice of the enemy, but Jesus rebuked the enemy's voice and revealed the key, not only for him, but for man. And that is dependence on God's voice is what matters. Pursuit comes from a sense of dependence. And what I want to do is even bring up a second point that I think just builds on what we just shared. And that is this, our problems are not just problems, but often our problems are God's invitations. Our problems are God's invitations for us in life. And we'll see that as we follow the Matthew 4, verse 1 through 4, by tracing it back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 which is where that statement that jesus brought up to the devil that he spoke to the devil comes from in deuteronomy chapter 8 moses was giving his final message to the nation of israel before they go into the promised land we know that god had delivered israel from bondage and slavery in egypt and they were there for 400 years we know this to be true he delivers them he brings them out into the wilderness with a mighty hand and they are in the wilderness for 40 years And this is a period of time where God is pruning them and shaping them and speaking to them and establishing His truth, the law that is written, all of these things that He does. And that generation that was alive for coming out of slavery and living in the wilderness, that generation is slowly dying off. And now there's a new generation that emerges. And this is the generation that's going to move into the promised land. After all of these years, the land that God had promised to his people, this new generation that didn't have to go through what the last generation went through. They didn't have to hear or experience what the last generation did. And so Moses is giving like his final dissertation, warnings and blessings. He's reminding them of many things that they need to be aware of, things that maybe they haven't quite heard or appreciated to the degree that they need to. And so this is the context for which Deuteronomy chapter 8 is found in. And here's what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, all the commandments... That I am commanding you today, shall, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. He humbled you and He let you be hungry." And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, whatever God says, that is what man lives on. Israel was on their way to the promised land. They were about to experience the blessing that was set apart and set aside for them that God had promised to their forefathers. Instead of pursuing the voice of God, which is who they were following, they complained about their problems. Many, many times you see that they would complain about the problems that were in front of them. And the enemy was in pursuit of them when they came out of Egypt, for example. And as they came out of Egypt... Uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh realized, oh, we just lost all of our slave labor, so let's go get them back. And as they're pursuing Israel, Israel begins to kind of freak out and they start to say, well, Moses, why did you bring us out here? I thought we were going to come out and we were going to go into a land of blessing, but now it looks like we're going to all die here. And so when they're in the middle of that moment and they're saying all of these things, what they failed to realize is that this was actually a moment where God would show himself strong. God was establishing his character, his power, his authority, his loving kindness over this people. He was not bringing them out just so that they could die. But this is the complaint. This is the fear that they had. This was not just a problem, this was an invitation to pursue God. This was an invitation to instead of complain and tell God that, you know, why would you do this, that you're going to kill us, it was, it was instead an opportunity to say, God, what is happening, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? Because this problem is nothing for you. This is an invitation to pursue the voice of God. What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying right now? What do you want us to do right now? You can see the difference. See, you can choose, we can choose to use our moments that seem to look like the opposite of what we think God should be doing right now, we can use those moments to complain and to criticize and all of that, or we can choose to use that moment as an opportunity to pursue God and say, God, what are you saying right now? What do you want me to do? How can I set my life up to follow after what you say? I don't see it. I don't understand it. But certainly you have a plan. So what do you want me to do? Israel had this opportunity many, many times because what I'm saying is our problems are often god's invitation three days in the wilderness you read about this in exodus they're three days in and they have no water and they're grumbling to moses what are we going to drink hey we're going to die even though they just got delivered from the Egyptians. They just saw God's mighty hand deliver them supernaturally. They saw the sea, I mean, just roll back like a scroll and they walk through on dry land. Talk about miracle of miracles. They just saw that. And just a few days later, they are grumbling because they have no water. See, here they come to a place where they don't have something that they're supposed to have in their mind. See, we're supposed to go to a land flowing with milk and honey and we don't even have any water. So, it seems like whatever you told us or promised us all of a sudden we don't even have you know the smallest version of that we don't even have like a little piece of that I don't even have a fragment to go off of and that once again that problem that conundrum that they're in they use that to complain and to grumble you see this time and time and time again but see God had an answer for that and instead of saying God what do you want to do What are you going to do and what do we need to do? They used it as a time of complaints. And I think we can relate to that. See, I've done that. You've done that. We've used these problems in our life as moments to complain, as moments to sulk, to be depressed and wonder where is God. But here's the question. Are we using those moments to ask God what He wants to do? Are we using those moments to seek the Lord because we know that it's not just about what we see with our eyes? It's not just about what we can touch and taste and and feel and and know to be true with our minds, but God is at work. God has all power and God is establishing the reality of who he is in our lives at a much, much higher level than just the natural. And this is something that we see in their experience. There was another moment, Exodus 16, which actually Moses refers to in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that we just read. They didn't have any food and God decided to come up with this plan where he would send basically like dew from heaven every night and it was a bread type substance and they they didn't have food and so they were like how are we going to eat and so God said hey listen every morning you're going to wake up and there's going to be this dew on the ground and it's a bread like substance and I want you to collect enough for one day. And on, on essentially on Friday, I want you to collect enough for two days. But if you collect more than a day's worth of this food substance, it will actually rot. You have to do this every single day. And so God spoke to them about His plan to feed them throughout their time in the wilderness. But it's amazing how they had to listen exactly to what he said. I want you to get up every day and collect enough for that day. And then on Friday, you can collect enough for that day and the Sabbath because I don't want you to do any work on the Sabbath. And so that's what they had to do. For years and years and years, they, had, they literally lived by what god said that they trusted that at night there was going to be a bread type substance that would that would fall to the ground that they could pick up and they could eat and that's exactly what happened for them see that's how they can say man does not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of god see there's no grain there's no crops There's no fields, and yet God can pour out some substance that will sustain them for 40 years. Man doesn't live by bread alone. What we can do with our hands, what we can see with our eyes, but by the word of God. If God says he's going to send bread from heaven, he's going to send bread from heaven. And that is exactly what he did. I remember I was in my office one time, and I'm having a conversation with my friend, and my friend's telling me the problem that he has that with, between him and his wife and their family and things that they're up against, not between them and their marriage, but they're up against something, a real difficulty and they don't know what they're gonna do. And as I'm talking with him about this, I could see that it was, you know, it was a discouraging thing that they were going through. And he didn't know what they were gonna do, but I remember this is literally at the end of our conversation, what he said. He said, I am excited to see what God's going to do through this. And you know, that's not a normal thing for a pastor to hear. We don't typically hear that. Usually, we hear somebody like, Hey, give me something encouraging. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. Pastor Ben, what can you tell me? How can you help me? Because, man, I'm really down in the dumps, discouraged, and I'm not sure why I'm here. My friend said to me, eyeball to eyeball, I'm excited to see what God's going to do because he knew something that many of us often don't realize in the moments that we need to realize it the most. And that is this he knew that all although he had a problem, that God had a solution. And that's what we need to realize, that God is not the author of our problems. In fact, God is the author of our solutions. And we need to approach life when it doesn't look like it should look. We need to approach life with the kind of faith that is necessary to see that reality changed, And it starts with asking God what He wants us to do. Lord, what do you want me to do? Here's my problem. But I know you're the author of solutions. I'm not blaming you for my problem, but I'm asking how you're going to resolve this, how we're going to solve this together. Tell me what I need to do because I know you're up to something. And I love that reality as we walk with the Lord because this is what the Lord is about. God is constantly moving. He's constantly at work. And the problems of life, which are inevitable, are not really always problems the way that we think of them they're often invitations. Now I wanna talk to you just for a few moments about practically pursuing the voice of God in your life. And the first way that we practically pursue God's voice, we chase after, we run after, we inquire of, is that we pursue God's voice through the Bible. If we really wanna know what God thinks about something, then we've gotta be students of the word. Not nominal, not not just kind of as a hobby, but we've gotta be people that know the word contextually. And practically and that we're we're constantly extrapolating the principles that matter for the the time in which we're living that that many things that were written need to be understood as they were so that we can remove the principles from that experience from that time in which they were written and apply them in the world that we live in today we need to be students of the Bible it is imperative that we have a daily relationship with God's Word he wants us to know what his Word says he gave it to us for the purpose of us knowing who he is, how he does things, who we are, what our purpose is, and we will find life's answers in the word of God. So I think I want to encourage you that you need to make a plan. I mean, I don't think that, uh, you know, promising that you're going to read the Word and having good intentions, they don't work. You have to have a plan. Every day, I, I go through the Life Journal plan, and that's just what I do, and so I think you need to know what you're doing. Tomorrow, it can't be random. What are you reading tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? What is your decision for the entire year? What are you reading through? Knowing that is vital to you pursuing the voice of God ahead of time. That as you saturate your life with the Word of God, you will find answers that you definitely need as life continues to happen. The second way that we pursue God's voice in our life is we pursue God's voice through prayer and through fasting. Now, obviously, prayer and fasting aren't exactly the same thing, but they, they are together. You know, I, I think most of the time, two thirds of the time that fasting is mentioned, is always mentioned with prayer, which is why we kind of couple it together because they really are together. But it's, it's vital that we don't just look at this as a discipline, but we look at this as a relationship. First of all, we wanna seek God as Jesus told us to, Matthew chapter six. He said, when you pray, go into your inner room and shut the door behind you and pray to your father who sees in secret and, and he sees in secret but he will reward you openly. We need to have something with God in terms of prayer and fasting that nobody else is invited into. It's that secret place relationship with God. We need to cultivate that place of prayer where we're seeking God, we're talking to God. It's regular, it's daily, it's not just in response to difficult times. We are constantly and continually cultivating the kind of relationship that pursues His voice in a daily fashion. Now also I would tell you that fasting is vital, fasting is important. I think we need to be people that fast once a week, but I also think we need to be people that fast as the Spirit leads us. It's a both and. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead us into times of fasting and specific times of prayer prolonged periods of time but we also have to have a discipline of fasting because fasting is not about just depriving ourselves of food that's what we do when we fast but what we do it for is to pursue God it's to pursue his presence is to pursue the person of God and hear his voice more clearly we are focusing on God by causing other things to be Uh, less distracting in our life. And so we say no to food and the physical reality because man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I believe as you fast, you'll have a clarity like you never had before. It's only something that you can experience while you fast. So I can tell you this, but you actually have to put it into practice in order to say, yes, I agree with you. So we pursue God's voice through the Bible, through prayer and fasting, and we also pursue God's voice through worship. As we worship, God truly speaks to our hearts. And it's amazing how he sensitizes us. I, I, I find this to be the case when I begin to worship the Lord. Now, your whole life is, is worship to God, but I'm specifically talking about worship and song and praise and thanksgiving. And this is where prayer transacts as well, but I think it's important that we are a people that like Psalms, you know, we just cry out to the Lord. You know, we sing unto the Lord, we give praise, we give thanksgiving, and we find ourselves in that place of gratitude and thankfulness regularly. And when you do that, there's just something about the atmosphere of worship, where the presence of God saturates us, sensitizes our hearts. And we will find that as we thank God for what is true and what was, we will begin to hear Him for what is. It sets us up into a context where that becomes more and more regular. And the final encouragement that I would give to you in pursuing God's voice in our life is to pursue God's voice through daily asking. I ask God to speak to me. And to give me help in the midst of like daily decisions or even like when I go into a meeting, I ask God fairly regularly, if not all the time, but mostly regularly, Lord, help me to to see what I need to see, help me to say what I need to say, help me to not say things where I need to be careful. And I believe that the Lord will speak into our hearts and speak into our minds. As we invite him in. So just in a daily way, we're saying, God, I need you to speak into this situation. I'm asking you to be present with me in the middle of this. Lord, would you show up? Would you show me what you want? And would you lead me and guide my mind in the middle of this decision that I need to make? And God certainly will show up as we invite him in. we need to do that regularly and consistently. As I close our session today, we talked about several different things. And I hope this practical part was was helpful and I believe many of us know these things but but really it's not about knowledge it's about practicing them I want to I want to close by looking at the questions in the book and we do this every every session for this class Because I think we want to ask these questions and I want you to ask these questions to yourself. And if you have time to write these answers out, I believe it'd be very important and helpful for you to do that. Especially if you're in a group setting and you can discuss these, the answers to these questions. But here's the first question. What does it mean for you to depend on God's voice in your life? What does that actually mean? What does that look like for you practically? And we saw what it looked like in scripture, but for you personally, how would you answer that question? Question number two is when problems occur in your life, do you tend to blame God or do you tend to seek God? See, if you tend to blame God when the problems occur, I can guarantee you that you're not pursuing his voice because you're already basically shutting what he might be saying by telling him what you think. Instead of telling God what you think, it'd be important to ask God what he sees, what he's saying, and what he's doing. But do you blame God in the middle of a problem or do you pursue God? This needs to shift if you're going to be a person marked by the pursuit of God's voice in your life. Number three, what is your daily Bible reading plan? If you lack this commitment, what is your next step to ensure that your pursuit of God's voice is sure through the Bible? What what are you doing to read the Word, study the Word, be a person marked by the pursuit of God's voice through the Word? Do you have a plan? If you don't have a plan, practically speaking, you need to do that right now. You need to make a decision, I'm going to read the Bible every day, and here's the plan that I'm going to use. I use the Life Journal plan, you can find it on the you version of your Bible through an app, either Android or iPhone. There are many other plans that you can, that you can use, so we, we, have many, we have an abundance of plans. So use one, doesn't matter which one, just make sure you're reading the Word of God every day. Number four, how will you respond to and pursue God throughout your life? Are you inviting God into the situations of your life? Are you inviting God into the moments of your day? And if not, begin to do that and watch how you'll see the voice of God come to you at those moments that you just have already asked him to show up. He will show up. And then, of course, our final question that we ask every week, what encouraged you most about this chapter and how will you apply this to your life to be a person? that pursues the voice of God in, in your life. This is what we want. This is what we're after. Lord, make us a people marked by the pursuit of your voice. Let me pray for us as we close our last session to this class. Father, I just thank you right now for everyone that's participating in this class, whether they're um, in a group or, or some they're doing a class at their church or even just watching by themselves. I, I just pray, God, that you would compel us, convict us, lord i pray that you would encourage us to be a people that are marked by pursuing you that we would desire to hear from you in every situation of life whether it's easy whether it's difficult whether it's what we want or not what we want i pray god that we would constantly inquire of you just like we looked at david and how he was a man after your own heart make us a people that are constantly pursuing your heart in all things And we thank you, Lord, that that you do. You speak to us throughout our day, throughout our week, even when we're not listening. Help us to be people that are listening, that have ears to hear, that have eyes to see. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys, and I look forward to our next class together.